The most simple way to view a song is a combination of chord progressions, melodies, and lyrics. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we are going to be talking about three principles for writing better lyrics. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honor that you would take some time out of your busy day, your busy week to talk songwriting with me. I'm glad that you care enough about songwriting to listen to any songwriting podcast. You could be listening to Joe Rogan right now and you're choosing to listen to specifically this podcast, which is an extra honor. But just the fact that you care enough about the craft of songwriting to listen to any podcast is awesome to me because I care about songwriting and I'm glad that you do too. So if you haven't already, be sure to grab my free six-step lyric writing checklist. This walks you through the six steps I go through when writing lyrics. It's going to be pretty connected to some of the principles we're going to talk about today, but I'm a big fan of breaking processes that can be very hard and overwhelming into smaller baby steps, and that is largely what that is about. Totally free my gift to you, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Link will be down below in the description if you're on YouTube, and it will be in the description as well for the podcast, or you can just go to the link. Very simple, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. So the first principle for writing better lyrics is a very, very simple one. In this whole series, I always started with what I thought was the most simple, maybe even obvious tip first, uh, or principle first. And that's to make your song about one thing. Make your song about one thing. We don't have the luxury that authors have, where you can have two, 300 pages worth of story. I mean, some authors, you have 800 or 1,000 pages worth of story, especially if you're named Stephen King or something. So we don't have that luxury. If you think about it, if you've ever typed up your lyrics Probably pretty rarely does it go above one page. And for a lot of sets of lyrics, it might be even less, especially if you don't repeat the lyrics like for the chorus. If you only write the lyrics once, so you write your first verse lyrics and then your chorus lyrics, and then you write your second verse lyrics and your bridge lyrics, you don't rewrite your chorus lyrics because they're the same every time. Then for almost all of us, for almost all songs, they're probably going to be one page. And even that, that's not a full page because it's lyrics and it's it's not going to be paragraph after paragraph it's probably going to be just left aligned and it will only take up like a third of the line cuz lines aren't that long in songs or in lyrics generally so if you really put them all together it a lot of times lyrics will end up being like a couple paragraphs worth of words so we just don't have time or enough words to really get into more than one thing. Now, I guess we could get into more than one thing, but the chances are that you're not going to explore those things deep enough to be worth anybody's time. So if we only have four minutes, give or take, in a song, and we only have maybe a couple paragraphs worth of words, you know, you wouldn't try to write a two-paragraph essay. Or let's, let's just say that every song section is a whole paragraph. And we'll say two verses, a bridge, and a chorus. So four paragraphs, you would not try to do a four paragraph essay or a four paragraph short story. We probably could have just put a period at the end of that sentence. You just wouldn't try to do that. But you certainly wouldn't try to do that covering multiple things, right? You wouldn't talk about, 
love is amazing and feels great. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when you fall in love for the first time or whatever. And then also in that same essay or in that same short story, explore the theme of death, right? You just, there's not enough time. There's not enough space. It's going to be hard enough in four paragraphs to explore any theme or idea deeply enough to have something worth saying because four paragraphs is nothing, right? So it's already going to be pretty difficult to say something worth saying in the amount of lyrics that we're going to have in a song. It's already going to be difficult enough. We don't want to make it more difficult by trying to talk about more than one thing. So there isn't time or space to do justice to multiple subjects or multiple stories. So if your song is story driven, have one story that you're telling, not a whole bunch of different stories. You don't have time for, you know, side characters that are a big deal. At best, you probably can pull off two characters, probably, right? You maybe could pull off a father and a son or a husband and a wife. And that's probably about it. Even there, you're probably fleshing out one way more than the other. Uh, an example of this, which we're going to get into a little, a little more deeply later, take Cats in the Cradle. On the surface, that's a song that explores the relationship between a father and a son. But really, it's just exploring the father. The son is sort of just a, a, a static character that really just exists to flesh out the father more. So even that, even though it seems to have two characters, it essentially has one real character. Or Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. You could say, oh, it's, it's a song with two maybe main characters. Her and the significant other, who's sort of the other main-ish character throughout the song. But even that, again, that character really just exists to flesh out her character in the song. We're going to talk about that song a little bit more in the second principle. But a thing to try to do instead is dive deeply into one concept rather than dabbling in a few. And a good way to do this is to figure out the central idea uh, and or the song title and then reverse engineer the rest of the song from there. So everything in your song should be in support of the central idea and or the song title. Very often, the central idea is going to be the sort of the same as the song title or the song title will represent the central idea because that's usually why you select it to be your song title because it represents the central idea, concept, uh, theme of your song. So if you have a song and let's say the title is Where Did I Go? And overall, the subject of that, the main idea of this title, Where Did I Go? is about losing yourself from constantly living out what others uh, want you to live out. So instead of living the life you want, you realize you're just being pulled by the whims of other people. Um, a song that actually exists that uh, I, I know it has the same theme as a song by my favorite artist, Vertical Horizon. They have a song called We Are. And the whole thing is th there's this one line about, um, you know, how, how to know if you're living for yourself or or am I just basically giving my time to someone else? It's sort of about the the day to day of working for somebody else and you're not really doing what you want to be doing. There's more to the song than that, but just at a high level. Right. So we, we could have another song called Where Did I Go? That's also about that, where you come home from work and you're there with your family and you realize that everything you're doing, you're not doing anything that is 
you're just sort of doing what, let's say, your company wants you to do, and you, you don't you find yourself just in a spot where it feels like the the path of your life is being dictated by whoever your employer is, which is a pretty crappy feeling. So everything in the song should be in support of that idea. Because there's one idea, and we want everything to support that. And if it doesn't support that idea, it probably should be cut from the song, because there isn't time for more. That, that concept already is going to be dif- difficult to address in a meaningful way with four or five paragraphs worth of lyrics and four minutes worth of time. Again, we'll talk for a moment about Fast Car and Cast in the Cradle. We could say, because I want to kind of carry this through with the principles, we're going to use these two actual songs as examples. So for the song Fast Car, you could boil down that the subject is basically about trying to escape your life for a better life. What you have right now is not great, and you are trying to get out of that, of that poor and, and, and just directionless life, and you want to go make something of yourself. That's sort of what Fast Car is about at its core. And everything in the song Fast Car is in service to that theme. There's nothing in that song that's like a side tangent, and let's really build out this character. Any bit of characterization that any other character in the song gets is purely to flesh out what is, we'll just assume that this is autobiographical of Tracy Chapman. I don't know that it is. It might be about a friend she knew or just a a story concept. It might not be about her, but let's just pretend it is about her life growing up. So we get a little glimpse at the fact that her mother left. We don't know why, because it's not important. We're just fleshing out what her life looks like that she's trying to escape, right? And there's a line in there about how essentially her father says he's too old for working, but he's also too old to look as bad as he does. That's not an exact quote, but something like that, where where the basic idea is she's not necessarily disagreeing that the state he's in is not in one where he could go out and work. That may be true, but he's also put himself in the position to look that old. Maybe he smoked and drank too much. So now he's 50 and maybe he has, I, I don't know, let's say he has cancer and all this other stuff that was caused by the decisions he made. So yes, it's true. He maybe can't really work anymore, but it's his fault that he's in that position. Now that's more or less, I think the only time the father's mentioned. And again, you could say, oh, that's another character. It is, but we only get enough information about him to flesh out her life and what she's trying to escape. So what she's trying to escape is this life where her father is a deadbeat and her mother left, right? Her, her father doesn't really do much to support her and the rest of the family. She has to be out working and presumably she's pretty young at this point. I don't know, maybe it's like 17, 16, something like that. Way too young to be supporting your family. And um, her mother's gone and and her father uh, can't really work anymore or ch- chooses not to work and arguably could, but whatever. And then we sort of get the same thing with her significant other, where it's, we we get suggestions of what he's like, but he's really not much of a character because there isn't time for him. He's just used as a tool to sort of communicate this main idea, uh, which we'll get into in the next principle. And then cast in the cradle, just The main subject really there is a father living with the consequences of not prioritizing his son until it was too late. That's the central idea of Cast in the Cradle is life is short. 
And, you know, if you keep putting work first or other things first, eventually it's going to catch up to you. That's the central idea. Every single detail in that song is purely in service of that central subject or theme. So this brings us to the second principle, which is arguably more of a tip than a principle, but I think it's an important one. Outline your song before you write. And maybe the bigger underlying principle is simply to develop out your song before you write. So in the six-step lyric writing checklist, there are two steps before the lyric writing step in the lyric writing checklist, right? It's not write lyrics and then here are five other things. No, no, no. There are two steps before we even get to writing. And, or there are three steps. <laughs> There's multiple steps before we get into actually writing. I don't usually think about which one in which order because um, it's just something I take for granted at this point, I guess. But the outlining step is sort of a part of what I call the, sometimes I call it the brainstorm sheet. Sometimes I'll call it the the lyrical development. It sort of has evolved over time. But the basic idea is instead of just, going straight to, I'm going to try to write lyrics, take a moment and develop out what your song is going to be about. Find some images maybe that flesh out what your song is about, art that inspires you uh, in the direction of what you want your song to be about. And then to the main point here, outline your song. Figure out what each song section needs to communicate before you start writing it. So you figured out maybe the title of your song and certainly the central idea of the song. And we also covered that everything needs to be in service to that. We don't have time for anything more than one thing. So find one interesting concept that you want to explore, and then everything else needs to be in service to that concept. And a great way to make sure that you're doing this is simply to outline your song. Some people call this song maps. You can call it that if you want. I don't think the term really matters. I kind of prefer outlining. Uh, It's more intuitive to me. Sound maps sounds like it's just trying to be a fancy term to me, but... Whatever, if you prefer that term, song maps is another way to say it. And the idea is is really just to get a firm grasp of what each song section needs to communicate, what it needs to do in service to that main idea, that main theme that you have, presumably in your chorus. That way, when you're actually writing the lyrics, you're not lost with like, well, what does the second verse need to say? I feel like I already said everything in the first verse, or I don't know where the story needs to go. That's a problem we shouldn't have when we are actually trying to write our lyrics. We should already know, or at least have an idea of where what, what we want each song section to do. And then in the writing process, it should be figuring out how to actually communicate that idea, not what we're trying to communicate. So you should already know what your verse, what your first verse, your second verse, your third verse, your pre-course, we should know what all those things, what all those things are trying to communicate. The writing process is where we figure out how to communicate that. So take the time to simply outline the central piece of information each song will communicate and then take the time to make sure that each song section has a purpose, a reason to exist. So let's take Fast Car again. I said we were going to carry the Fast Car and Cast in the Cradle as an example through. They're both classic songs. They're both very good songs, very well-written lyrically. Um, And they're also ones that probably everybody listening already knows. If you don't, go look them up, read the lyrics, listen to them. Um, But 
for Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, we could summarize the three verses, and we're going to say three verses. The, the way the song is actually made, the first verse is really like three verses in a row before it gets to the chorus. And then, so you can make an argument that there's verse one, verse two, verse three, first chorus. And then I think it goes something like that. And then verse four, chorus, verse five, chorus. I think you could argue something like that. But for simplicity's sake, we're just going to say that that very long first verse is one verse. And then we're going to have verse two be after the first chorus and verse three be the, the final verse. So looking at it that way, the first verse really communicates the whole mom's gone, dad's given up, or maybe he never tried. Uh, but I have hope that we can get out. And that connects to the fast car concept. The fast car, fast car is the title, right? And fast car used in the song symbolically is sort of about, it's a fast car, so it's going to be easier to escape. That's maybe a little reductive, but that's basically what it's about. You've got a fast car, so I have hope that we can get out of here is, is sort of that, that central main idea. So that first verse is really setting up hope in this significant other and the the kind of unfortunate situation that she's currently in where she's having to work, her dad's not able to work anymore or, or never wanted to work or whatever. Her mom's totally gone and just abandoned the family. Um, but I have hope in you that we can get out. So then verse two is where she's moved on. She's now, I believe, implied to be living with this significant other. Whether they're married or not is never mentioned. I don't think it really matters either in the context of this song. Um, but, but in this part of the story, she's now saying, okay, we've moved on. I have a job and I can get promoted and you're still looking for a job, but I have faith that you can get a job and then we can get out of this. Right? So she's escaped the first unfortunate situation. So she's a little better off than she was before. And she has a job. Um, and she's having hope that she can get promoted and she has hope that her significant other can start to pull his weight. And, and, and again, back to that central theme, you've got a fast car, right? So there's this, this, this idea of, okay, I think we can escape out of this. And then in the third verse, she talks about how she's supporting the family. You're just out at the bar with your friends and barely know our children. And now the fast car has sort of adjusted into this, I, I had hoped we both could escape what we came from, but it seems that only I have, right? So there's sort of this bittersweetness to it in that she did successfully escape, right? The fast car essentially did work for her because, because she put the work in. She was dedicated to making sure her life was different, which is a great message, a great idea, great thing to f flesh out, super American. I love it. Um, but unfortunately... Her significant other that she had hope in, that, that they could come up together, that they could both be dedicated to this idea of escaping what they came from, he is not dedicated to that. And he is going down the same path as her mother and father before them. So now she's sort of saying, you know, you might as well just leave, is sort of where the song leaves off. Because he's not even interested in the kids anyway. He doesn't pull his weight at all. He's not helping her uh, so it's just kind of dragging them all down, I guess. So each verse has a distinct purpose, right? The first verse is, is sort of the backstory, what it is she wanted to escape to begin with. The second one is sort of the, the, the rising hope and perhaps the misplaced hope in the significant other. And the third one is the conclusion where she did have the right to have hope, 
specifically in herself, she accomplished what she set out to. Um, but but that maybe her hope was misplaced in the significant other because even though she's getting out, he is not. So it's very easy to see what each verse specifically is trying to accomplish, where it is in the story. Then for Cats in the Cradle, Cats in the Cradle has four verses. Technically, the fourth verse is a little bit longer, which is very different. That's not usually what happens, uh, but it works very effectively in the song. So Cats in the Cradle, if you don't know, basic theme, again, is just sort of this, this idea that a father and a son and that life is short and you gotta you gotta spend time with your kids or people who are important to you while you can. So the first verse covers my child was born just the other day and then covers through that the child learned to walk while I was away. So basically he was off working. Uh, for the record, the song is by Harry Chapin, I think is how you say his name. Uh, but this is not autobiographical. He, this was about, I believe, his. I think he's sort of like the kid in this version, or it was about his wife's relationship with her. For that. It, it's not based on him, for the record. Um, so don't go saying Harry Chapin's a terrible dad. This that wasn't that wasn't what the song was about. Which, by the way, little sub tip in here: a great way to grow as a writer is to no longer be limited to talking about autobiographical things and not just talking about your life especially because someday your life might be really good and really uninteresting, right? If you're like happily married with kids and nothing really is happening, it's just sort of day by, it's just not as exciting as when you're like dating and people are breaking your heart and you're failing at school and what, so it's a really good thing as an artist to be able to write about something other than yourself, which Harry Chapin did in the song. And it's a fantastic song. So first one, child was born and learned to walk and he didn't make the time for that child. Right, but the child's just a baby right now. So, you know, maybe not such a big deal. Fast forward. Now we're in the second verse. The son is now 10 years old, which he actually specifies the 10 years old, and wants to play catch. He asks his dad, dad to play catch with him. And his dad again says, no, son, sorry, I don't have the time. So then we go to the third verse. And the son is probably 20-ish years old because it specifies that he has come home from college we don't know what year it is or whatever, so let's just keep it keep it simple. Right, let's say 10, you know, zero, essentially, born, 10, 20. That's during college. And now his dad is, is shifted. The dad is asking for the son to spend time with him. And the son says, no, thanks, dad. I'd just like to have the car keys, please. So I want to go out, hang out with my friends, go date a girl, whatever. Uh, so now... The uh, turntables have, I can't even say that quote right. Thank you, The Office. <laughs> How the turntables have, um, but <laughs> the tables have turned. There we go. That's, that's, that's the phrase. Um, so we've now experienced the shift, right? And now he's dealing with the consequences of what he did to his son for presumably around 20 years, because now it's college. And then the, the fourth verse, the final verse, covers where the man's retired and his son now has a wife and kids, which we know because he calls his son on the phone the other day. And and he asked to talk to his son, I believe, just on the phone, not even visit, if I remember correctly. And his son doesn't have time and says that he's busy with work and his kids have the flu. So I'd love to talk sometime soon, Dad, but, you know, I don't have time. And then finally, the, the man realizes that his son has become just like them. And, and, and also, for the record, this, this song is extra well done because 
at the end of every verse, there's sort of this, the son still looks up to the dad and says, man, I'm going to be just like you, right? There's sort of this idea of the son is always saying, oh, I'm going to be just like him. Even after his dad says no to playing catch with him, he says, I'm going to be just like you. And the poetic irony, I guess, is he's right. He does become just like him. And that's what's revealed in the final verse, that the father realized that his son did indeed become just like him. But that's actually not a good thing. Now, I think it's slightly unfair because it does specify just the fact that it implies that his kid is actually caring about his kids having the flu. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe he is still better, but he certainly is just like he treats his father the way his father treats him. Hopefully he's a better dad to to his kids than his dad was. Um, but regardless, what we know from the song is that at least in the father's point of view, his son has become just like him. And it's an inevitable tragedy that is set up from the beginning because it talks about how the son looks up to his dad and says, I'm going to be just like him. And indeed, that's exactly what happens. It just happens to not be a very good thing. So again, each verse has a clear purpose, a clear part of the story it's telling. Birth and first steps is the first verse. The second verse is a 10-year-old who wants to play catch with his dad. And those two are where the son is sort of chasing the dad. The son wants a relationship with the dad then the son's around 20 years old coming home from college and it shifts now the dad wants to spend time with the son and the son has no interest in the dad and then in the fourth verse he's even older the dad is retired doesn't even work anymore so so glad he prioritized his work this whole time for it to just end up being you know he retired and this, there's just nothing left um and and now his son has a family of, of his own and he's still not making time for his dad, which again, his dad set up from the beginning when he didn't make time for him. So there's a clear progression of time here, right? All the way from the dad being young enough to have a newborn son, all the way to a dad whose son has multiple children. Long span of time, and it specifically picks an important moment that all fleshes out this concept with the cats in the cradle idea of time is short. The irony of like the son looking up to the dad and actually becoming just like the dad. And just that at some point it's going to be too late. Right. So you have to make the most of it. Now you have to have a relationship with your kids now, or maybe someday they won't want a relationship with you when you finally change your mind and actually want a relationship with them. So those are just two song examples to flesh out this idea of outline your song before you write. Each one of those verses has such a clear goal. And we should do the same thing with our song where we can break it down, even just try, as a challenge, write it down as an actual sentence. How I wrote these down here is I have like title, colon, fast car, verse one, colon, mom's gone, dad's given up or never tried, but I have hope we can get out. Verse two, colon, we've moved on. You still don't have a job, but I do. And I'm going to get promoted and I have hope we can get out of this. And even that, you don't have to flesh it out that deeply. I have the luxury of just looking at a uh, already written lyric. You can instead do something like, let's go back to the made up title of where did I go? That's talking about losing yourself from constantly living and working for someone else. We could say verse one is going to be, you finally get some time off from work, but I don't know what to do or what I even like anymore because I've just lost myself to work too much. Verse two is about reflecting back on, hey, I, I used to care about family and having a deeper purpose, but somehow I've lost that. And then the bridge is that moment of realization. Clearly something needs to change because I don't even know me. Boom, right? Like it's just simple sentence to flesh out. Okay, I now have a goal for each song section that I'm writing that fleshes out and is directly connected to that central theme. Third principle, 
possibly my favorite. Baby steps are the best path to great lyrics, not the muse. Or seen another way, not inspiration. So inspiration is maybe the most overrated thing ever when it comes to creative circles and certainly songwriters. I mean, sometimes I'll even get like angry comments from people that are like, oh, some of us are just so talented that we don't need to like work. We, we, we just naturally write great things, which is massively arrogant and almost certainly not true. It's one of those where it's like, yeah, we'll see. But anyway, good. good. No, notice, by the way, even the greats don't have that attitude. You know what I mean? Like you ever uh, slight side tangent, but like this, 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 oh, I, 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 I couldn't benefit from theory. I couldn't blah, blah, blah. And all this like, oh, some of us are just talented, like even the greatest or who you think are the greatest ever don't have that attitude. They have an attitude of humility, like even like a, a Simon and Garfunkel type or James Taylor, like really great at what they do. I mean, I guess only Simon is a great songwriter. Garfunkel is really just a singer. But regardless, those people usually still don't have that attitude. I've read some interviews of uh, Michael Stipe from R.E.M., I think a very good songwriter. And and a lot of times he's kind of self-deprecating, makes fun of himself. And I, I don't know. So it's always one of those things where it's like, man, I am constantly still learning I know that no matter how, we just all have so much to learn. So having the attitude of, oh, I, I just, inspiration is all I need. And I'm, I'm just so, so talented. I don't, I don't need to learn anything or work on my craft. Like, well, everybody before you had to work on your craft. I have to work on my craft. We all do, right? We're all together in this. So it's just one of those weird things when people think they're above it. Uh, and if anybody kind of deserves to think they're above it. It is the mega successful leaders of bands or whatever. If the Beatles think they're too good for it, all right, fine, right? Because the world told you you're too good for it. So, you know, may, maybe it's true. So anyway, baby steps are the best path to great lyrics, not the muse. I think a lot of the reason that people hate lyric writing and don't have a lot of success with lyric writing is that they don't, break down their lyric writing process into baby steps. They stare at a blank page and it's okay if you do this, right? I, I did this too for a long time. And I, tons of writers do this. But eventually I learned, wait a second, why am I forcing myself to sit and stare at a blank screen with that stupid cursor blinking, mocking me, or sit in with a notebook. I used to write lyrics by hand. Now I mostly type them, but I kind of go back and forth a little bit more now. Um, but why do I do that to myself if I can not ask myself essentially to improvise poetry? Because if you sit and look at a blank page, and especially if you haven't even figured out what each song section is going to be about, you're just like, write a first verse about who knows what. And then you say, improvise poetry. Like, that is asking so much of yourself. And very few of us can just improvise good poetry. Maybe we can improvise okay poetry. We can improvise lyrics that will be, uh, you know, would compete well enough with the average pop song with its very unmemorable lyrics that feel thrown together, but won't be something ultimately we feel proud of or feel like is a meaningful lyric that will last in people's hearts and souls like lyrics such as cats in the cradle 
which is famous for its its lyrics and its subject matter. It's not one where it's just be like, oh, what a catchy song, Cast in the Cradle. Nobody says that about that song. It's a great song because it it's it talks about something that hits home for a lot of people. It, it the lyrics are a large portion of why that's a great song. Same with Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. Um, so baby steps are the best way to, to end up with great lyrics, not just relying on inspiration and the muse. And when you sit and, and basically say, improvise great poetry, you're relying on the muse, right? You're hoping that inspiration is going to strike and you're going to get that beautiful moment where we all love these stories, right? Where an artist is like, oh, and I just wrote all the lyrics in 15 minutes and a moment of inspiration. Now, what they don't mention is that like for all those artists, one of their songs that story is true for, which is why they tell that one story about one of their songs over and over again, right? So for John Denver, for instance, allegedly he wrote uh, Annie's song, which is a very one of his more successful, one of his better songs in 15 minutes on a ski lift, allegedly. And I'll believe him. John Denver seems like he was an, a great guy, a super nice guy, super likable. So I, I don't think that he lied. And I think this is straight from him, um, which is awesome, right? Cool. But that's the exception, not the rule, which is why he tells that story about that specific song. Because of all the songs he's written, he's probably written hundreds of songs over his life. He's now passed. So he, ha- he ha- had written hundreds of songs, whatever. One of them, did he get that beautiful, the muse just spoke to him and the lyrics were really good the first time he wrote them and it took him being on a ski lift, thinking about his love. And, you know, it it took this perfect storm moment for that to happen. And it is glorious when that happens, but that's the exception, not the rule. For instance, for me, I've been songwriting for something like 15 years. I'm 30. I started, I sort of started songwriting at like 10, but I don't really count the first like five years because it was kind of like, just writing lyrics to music that already existed because I didn't even know how to start writing lyrics. So maybe it's been like 17 years where I really started trying to um, write music. And in that time, I have had one song, one song that came together in like a a beautiful, inspirational moment. And it, it took the perfect storm. It took the perfect storm of I had had an idea circulating for a while. My girlfriend broke up with me out of nowhere and well, to me, out of nowhere, I'm sure it wasn't out of nowhere, but and 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 it was just this perfect storm of things going on in my life. And boom, I did have that wonderful moment. But that happened once. And you may say, well, Joseph, is that your best song? No, at the time, it was my best song, actually. But since then. I don't even know if it's in the top 10. I don't even know if it's in the top 10 songs that that I've written. So the idea that inspiration in the muse, like that's what we should seek because that's going to result in the best songs is just not true. It's just not true. A lot of the best songs by whatever artists you love, I guarantee you are songs that, you know, some of them are going to be songs that they wrote in three months, which might be around average. And, you know, one of the songs might be one that came together musically quickly. And then the lyrics took them like a year. They just couldn't figure it out. And, and a lot of times, if you care about lyrics, lyrics is going to be the slowest part of the songwriting process. So d- don't overestimate the muse. Don't over rely on the muse. The phrase that if you've been a listener for a while, you may have heard me say multiple times, but I think it's an important phrase is when there's a wave, ride the wave. If there is no wave, paddle anyway. That should be like your creative philosophy. You're always working. You're always writing songs, whether you're inspired or not. 
because sometimes some of your best writing is going to come when you're not inspired. And the best way to get re-inspired is to keep working. If you're watching Netflix, you're probably not going to get inspired. If you are struggling through writing music or lyrics, that's when sometimes the muse will visit you and like reward you. I know the muse isn't real, but we'll just treat it like it is. Uh, you know, the, the muse or inspiration will hit you because you're working at it. It's sort of like you're not likely to catch a wave if you're not out trying to catch waves, right? You may get lucky and it hits you on the beach or something, but like it, it, the best way to catch a wave is to be out in the ocean trying to catch a wave. And inspiration is much the same. So a lot of your best lyrics and a lot of your best songs are not going to be birthed from some special story or the muse visited you or whatever. And if it, even if it is, it might be that the muse or inspiration strikes you for one part of the song right? The catchy guitar riff or bass line that you built the whole song off of, that was a moment of inspiration. But then the lyrics, the interesting story, the cool central symbol that you had, all of that was from the hard work that you did, not because you just got lucky and happened to be inspired that day. So I said, baby steps are the best path to great lyrics, not the muse. And really, this is broken down in great details in my six-step lyric writing checklist. Really, this principle is what that whole checklist is based off of. When I realized that when I broke it down into steps, the lyric writing process, I had way more success. I It was easier. I disliked the process less and got to enjoy it again. Um, I, I realized that and realized, wait a second, it's always easier if you do things in baby steps. So why would lyrics be any different? So I started doing baby steps for myself and then eventually made it into the six step lyric writing checklist that we have now. But again, I didn't always write songs that way and it was very painful and it sucked. And I didn't like my results. Most of the time, it felt like I got lucky or unlucky. And most of the time you get unlucky and the lyrics are just kind of, eh. um, so that comes from years of pain. So we're going to just sort of talk through sort of the steps, but be sure to grab that six-step lyric writing checklist, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist for more on this, because again, this principle is at the foundation of what I teach in that guide. But at a high level, develop your idea and, 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 and just generally do a discovery process about what your lyrics are about with prose. So develop out your central idea, whatever that might be. Maybe it's this idea of Cast in the Cradle, Fast Car, or the example that I just made up, which is the where did I go, right? Losing yourself because, you know, you just do whatever your job tells you. You're on the career path that your job tells you you're on and you don't realize you're not even living for what you want. You're just doing what your company wants or something like that. Then do the discovery process with pros. The reason for this is because to sit and ask yourself to improvise poetry is asking a lot. You're asking yourself to write something in meter that's profound that also maybe rhymes off the top of your head. Instead, say, no, I'm going to basically do a journal entry or journal entries. I'm just going to write prose. I'm just going to write no meter, no lines, not asking myself to be profound. Turn off the internal editor and just write in prose, which is just plain English, right? It's the way I'm talking right now. Just flesh out the idea before you ask yourself to write any lyrics. That's like the first part of the baby step. You're developing out your idea by doing a discovery process, trying to figure out what your idea really is just by writing in plain old English. Then you write an outline to sort of zero in on the general song section ideas. Okay, so I figured out my overall idea is we'll stick with the, you know, where did I go? Losing yourself. Um, 
now I can figure out, okay, what, what, what are the three points? Let's say I'm going to have two verses and a bridge. What are the three things I want to communicate in those? That goes back to our second principle of outlining, right? So now I have an idea when I'm writing specifically, I'm trying to write towards the first verse or the second verse of the bridge. I know what that first verse or that second verse or that bridge is trying to accomplish, which makes it way easier to write. Cause I'm not just saying now I got to write a second verse. Who knows what I'm going to say in the second verse or what the point of the second verse is. No, you do know what the second verse needs to communicate. You just are now trying to figure out how to communicate it. And even with that, you still turn off the internal editor and just write. Don't, don't even, even if you already have a meter in mind or you already wrote the melody, which means you effectively already are kind of forced into a certain meter with your lyrics because the meter of your lyrics needs to match with the natural meter or rhythm of your melody. But don't don't overly concern yourself about that. In the editing process later, you can make it so that the meter fits perfectly. Don't force yourself to try to write perfect meter the first time, even when you're writing lyrics. Try to get close, right? If you know, okay, my first line is going to be seven syllables and my second line is going to be nine syllables and a seven, nine, seven, nine for syllables. Try to be generally in that vicinity, right? But if you do eight, ten seven, five, five might be a little egregious, but if you're within like two syllables or whatever, that's fine. Because in the editing process, that's when you can move words around, remove words, find a better word, find a three syllable or find a two syllable word to replace a three syllable word, which would then reduce your syllables by one stuff like that. So don't overly worry about perfectly matching with the meter that you might already know your lyrics need to have when you are just writing your lyrics. And then finally, we're now at the stage where maybe you've written 10 different versions or 20 versions of what you think a second verse could be, could be. You already know what it's about to be. And then you tried 20 different versions of how to communicate that what they've already established in your outlining process. So now just like pick which one you think is closest, which one of these is the biggest piece of gold that I can refine, right? which is then when editing comes in, which is where you take something that still probably isn't that good because it still is sort of improvised poetry. It's improvised poetry that you prepped for, you had a goal for it, you did prose writing before you even tried to write it. So it's going to be way easier to write de at least decent first drafts, if you want to see it that way, or drafts of each song section. But now is the part where you take something that's unrefined gold and refine it into gold. This is where you take something that has potential and make it actually really good, which is another step sometimes people skip and they wonder like, oh, I wrote 20 different versions of my second verse and it's still just kind of good-ish or feels like it has really good potential, but it's just kind of okay. And that's what editing is for, right? The, the same thing's true for authors. Authors, their first draft or their... They have to edit the book into something good. It's never going to be in the writing process where you make something good. That's almost never going to happen. It's always going to be in the editing process that you take something with potential and make it actually good. And lyrics are no different. So that's where iterative lyric editing comes in. We don't have time to dive into that. I did a whole podcast about that. I think it's episode 30, which is not on YouTube, I don't think, but it is on the podcast stream. So if you check it out on Google Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever you listen, uh, you can check it out there. Also, it's broken down in detail in the six-step lyric writing checklist, which again is at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. 
But the basic idea is that you're always looking at what's the weakest part of the lyric that I have so far. So I have my two verses, my bridge and my chorus. What's the weakest song section? My second verse is the weakest. Let me see how I can make that better overall. Is it the whole section is a mess and I need to just rework the whole session and re rewrite it? Or is it just like the second line? The second line sucks. So do I need to rework the second line? Or is it less than that? It's that the second line is okay, but there are a few pretty pedestrian words in there that are just kind of boring. So I need to like find a more visceral, more emotive verb than what I have. Which, by the way, when in doubt, just look at your verbs and see if you can upgrade your verbs from something that is very kind of just not very interesting to a more interesting verb. If you just go to like thesaurus.com and put in each of your verbs and see if like there's a better verb that just has much more imagery attached to it and is just gives you more feelings, um, then that's a good good sign that you're you found a more precise verb uh that that's that's going to be more interesting. Just just as a quick example, the the word have or or get. If I say I got some money, got tells you nothing, right? If I got some money, I might have stolen money, I might have earned money, I might have um received money and just those three, right? Tell you way more. If I got money, you, you don't know whether I stole it, I earned it, I deserve it, I don't deserve it. You know nothing. If I say I earned money, now you know that I like worked and got money in return or, or earned it some other way. If I stole money, you know that I have money I shouldn't have because I stole it from somebody. And if I, what was the, what was the last one I used? If I, uh, was, I, I forget what word I used, but I think it was something to the effect of like gifted. If, if I received, I think that was the word. If I received money, that implies that it was it probably a, a gift. It wasn't something I deserved. It was just something that somebody was nice enough to give me. Those are all more precise than got. Got tells you nothing. So that would be just an easy example of iterative lyric editing and specifically at the word level, right? If you change the word got to earned, right there, your lyrics just got better because it communicated more with the same amount of words. So if any of that seems interesting to you, you want to write better lyrics, go check it out. Songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Link will be down below in the description on YouTube and on the podcast, or you can just go to the link songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was something you can do to help me out is always just leave a kind review on Spotify or wherever you listen. I know a lot of you have done this. I super appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I know that last I checked, we were at somewhere at between like 4.6 and 4.7 stars all over across the different platforms means a lot to me. That's a great way to help out this podcast. If it has helped you out in these like 235 or so episodes. So I appreciate every single one of you who've done that. If you haven't, that's a great thing you can do to help out if you're wondering, but regardless, I will talk to you in the next one.